You're listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. You can find out more about this and other network shows, as well as Small Town Monsters films, books, our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, and much more at smalltownmonsters.com. Ooh, that trailer gets me every time. That, folks, was a trailer for uh, Bigfoot, The Road to Discovery, the new limited series from our friend Eli Watson. Uh, squad members can check out the first episode over at the Small Town Monsters YouTube channel, which is where some of you are watching this feed right now. But we are here to talk about that and other things tonight. My name is Aaron. Welcome to another edition of STM Live. Uh, to those of you who were with us last week, I now have full use of both of my eyes. So thank you for your uh, concerned messages. My son poked me in the eye while I was changing his diaper. That's what happened. So anyway, welcome to all of you. Thank you for coming out. We've got a great show for you. We're going to get into a discussion with our guests here very shortly. Uh, but as always, a couple of things I have to remind you about. Uh, the Kickstarter is coming. We are about two months, three months away, two months away from the launch of the campaign. This is going to get you early access to the next round of films, such as Dogman Territory, uh, uh, the Ancients, our next Bigfoot film, Lost Contact, the story of the Mantell incident, and the Kickstarter exclusive Cryptid, Goatman. So don't miss out on that. That will launch February 1st. And oh, that's the wrong picture. We have a new episode of The Lore You Know available for you guys right now on your favorite podcasting platform. There we go. Uh, this week's guest is none other than Mr. Eli Watson, talking about mysteries and monsters, uh, Road to Discovery, and a bunch of other great stuff that he's got in the works. And last but not least, Monster Fest 2 is coming up. That is going to be on June 29th of next year in downtown Canton, Ohio. Um, passes are going fast. They are getting to where you might want to quickly get yours reserved, quickly as opposed to not quickly. So don't miss out on that. But without further ado, I would like to welcome up tonight's guests. I'm very excited to talk to these guys, Mr. Ron Lanham and Mr. Joe Perdue of Wild and Weird West Virginia. How's it going, guys? Hey, we're uh, we're doing great, man. Yeah, doing glad great, to hear man. That. Very glad to hear it. I appreciate you guys joining me, especially on kind of short notice. Um, I did not give you several weeks to prepare for this, so I really appreciate you squeezing us in. Anytime, dude. Like, it's, it's, it's what we do. We are, we are uh, the fly-by-night kind of kind of people man you come up and you want us to, to jump on a show we're ready to rock and roll whether we got a time to prep or not <laughs> i appreciate it man very much so i've been looking forward to talking with you guys for a while so this is a great place to do it uh, right at the jump i do want to shout out our latest squad member mr chris grayson thank you for joining the squad uh squad members can sign up on our youtube channel if you guys would like to join the squad you get early access ad free videos 4k quality bunch of other cool stuff always got to shout out our squad members but uh let's really quickly before we get into too much of the nitty-gritty of what we're talking about tonight um for anyone who may not be familiar with wild and weird west virginia who may not have seen you guys before sounds crazy to me but just in case uh who are you well we're a wisconsin-based research team <laughs> <laughs> no um well, you I'm Joe, that. and yeah. up there is Ron, yeah, and uh, Ron has been. Hey, Tommy, hey, Tommy. that's one of our uh, one of our guys jumping over. What's going on, brother? Uh, um, Tommy Tommy Swagger says, uh, "Great seeing Ron and Joe here. These guys are the best at what they do." Appreciate it, man. 
appreciate it. Anytime th- somebody throws like a Wolverine comment our way, I'm I'm on it. So, <laughs> well, we uh, we started this. What was it? 2017. Like uh, the what we're doing now. Officially, that's right. Officially, like that's when we we let the cat out of the bag. This is yeah. look at us. Here we are, kind of thing. But Ron had been doing paranormal research for uh, about as long as I've been alive. Too long. And uh, so it's about 30 plus years. And then he'd been doing UFO, out of body, all kinds of other stuff. Um, I was interested in Bigfoot from the time I was younger, just because, you know, in search of just like everybody else. And um, then had a sighting in 2001. Me and Ron start working at a pet store together. Then snowball effect happens. And here we are. Kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the it, ultra Campbell's condensed yeah. version. Just add two gallons of water and you'll have the whole story. It's only taking you three years to get it down to that. So, <laughs> right. Remarkable. It's funny the way these, these team ups in this industry or in this niche go, like people work together and it, it spirals into something else. Like I've seen that before. That's interesting. I love that. Um, oh, yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about wild and weird West Virginia, a little more about what you guys do. Oh, we Good do work. a lot. We do a lot. There's uh, there's a lot. This is like, see that UFO over Ron's head? That's like an umbrella. And yeah, you go go for it, man. We do. We do a lot. <laughs> a lot of people do think it's just wild and weird. West Virginia would just do art and whatnot. But we're actually researchers. We go out and collect data. Uh, we started our, our podcast a few years ago, which has just been wonderful. I love that. Uh, as an outreach to continue the outreach, we go out into actual public and do shows, presentations, demonstrations, talk to kids, uh, talk to adults, and uh, kind of basically help them to understand that uh, there's weird things out there. There's things out there that do not fit into the uh, niche that you've been told uh, is reality, and uh, you're okay for questioning that. There's 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 no penalty for it. So we have that, and uh, you know our, our collective, the the West Virginia High Strangers Collective. That's our uh, Pretty much what we we started a couple of years ago as our research effort and uh, we have several great members of that yeah we who, uh, we wanted to name it something different because we had you know wild and weird west virginia and wild and weird radio wild and weird con wild you know everything was under the umbrella of wild, wild and weird, weird is what, what and the rules were and, and we wanted to make the name something that would uh yeah because we were already sharing data with people across the country. And then it turned into sharing data with people up in Germany and the UK and working alongside people practically across the globe now. And the collective just kind of fit. Yeah. So what do we look into? Everything. Everything. So the high strangeness. Everything. Everything goes on the table. I love that. I love that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being an organization that's very focused on one phenomenon or the other, but you know, that's the way I like to approach this stuff too. It's just taking all, all of it into consideration, putting it all on the table. Well, one of the, the good things about it is that each member in our crew, uh, in the core group has their own, uh, discipline that they're specialized in, you know, like I'm a certified master nationalist with the West Virginia DNR. I, I do a lot of education, outdoor education, things like that with kids and adults. Um, and then, you know, Ron has the experience in the paranormal research. Um, I was a minister for years and was very familiar with supernatural stuff. Uh, Ron has also done tons of out-of-body research and 
um, different things and in, into that spectrum yeah, of, like, of study. And Dave, Dave, Dave is into astrophysics and exactly. astrology, not astrology, astronomy. astronomy. He'll, he's going to beat me he, if he sees he this. And we've got Boone who is, a uh, uh, he worked in, um, he was a Navy veteran. I'm U S air force veteran. And Boone looks at a lot of our audio because he was a sonar technician. Like it's, he sat and he listened to sonar and read, read the, uh, so, I guess, read the sonar off the screen and translated what it was. So he does a lot of our uh, backup and peer review on audio recordings. Um, it, it just, you know, the list goes on. You name off all the people who are part of our team. Each one of them has their own specialty. Interesting. So you guys are able to examine this stuff, you know, both from like a, an interested perspective, like, oh, I'm just kind of interested in this, but you do have people that specialize in what you're looking into as well. That's exciting. I love that. Yeah, I love as well that. It's uh, vetted and, uh, you know, veteran researchers as well. I mean, everything gets shared yeah. before, before you see it, it's already been looked at. Very cool. Very cool. How did you guys, or how did it come about that you started working with small town monsters? Cause I'll, full disclosure, I ran across, uh, uh, Mr. Lanham here in uh, The Mothman Legacy, a small town monsters film that I'm particularly fond of. Recommend you guys check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, and then when I got into this paranormal community a couple of years later, I crossed paths with you guys and I was like, oh, that's that guy. So <laughs> how, how did that come about? How did you guys end up working with Seth and, and the crew? Well, we, uh, we met originally at the signing and release party for the Flatwoods monster movie. The uh, Legacy of Fear, I think is what it was called. And uh, that was at the Flatwoods Monster Museum. And Seth was set up there. There was a few other people. It's also where uh, Ron developed his contact with Stan Gordon. Um, and, you know, there were a bunch of connections that were made that day. And from there, it's, you know, we've always supported small town monsters and vice versa. And, um, it's, it's been great. You know, Seth has been like family to us for years now, literally. Um, and then, you know, before, uh, Alex started working with you guys, I got to be friends, really good friends with Alex and met him at OBC. And we were, it was when he was developing his big cat, uh, project, the alien big cat project he was working on. And then he got grafted into the vine. And so it just kind of, blend it all together because we were we've now been in i don't know how many productions with small towns <laughs> monsters mm, so i don't even count them anymore it's a few now yeah yeah, yeah just a few, just a few. <laughs> that's awesome i i, th I think that happens a lot like a lot of us that end up in this community it grows very organically you know you just kind of connect with people and oh let's work on this thing together yeah, kind of goes from you there. found your people that's what you do right? oh, i'm seeing all these guys over here commenting that they're vets too right on yeah Love you guys I was about heavy to in the chat, brothers. Um, we, we do want to thank all of our veterans for your service and for what you guys have done and continue to do for us. So I believe we just passed uh, Veterans Day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just a little so, bit. Yeah, yes, we did. Sorry. Time, no, has no, no, <laughs> time has no meaning for me. Um, but yes, a big thank you to all of you guys. So I would like to know more about West Virginia because I've only been there one time. And I, I know oh, we have a big, out, man. I know it's a beautiful place and we have a huge audience from all over the place who may not have had the opportunity to be there. So um, let's talk about West Virginia a little bit. And, and the thing I will say is that the one time 
I visited West Virginia. My wife and I were driving through these ridiculous winding up and down hills and thinking we're going to die every time. And we drove past a very, very thick wooded area. And my wife looked out the window and she goes, okay, Bigfoot could be real. I get it now, now that I've been in this place and that I've seen it. So let's talk about West Virginia. <laughs> oh, and we have we a, got new a new member. New squad member, Susie Myers, just joined the squad. Thank you so much, Susie. We are very happy to have you. We appreciate you supporting everything that we do. Very kind of you. Uh, and a big thank you again to all of our squad members tonight. And I should have said this at the top of the hour, but any questions you guys have uh, for our guests about Bigfoot, about strange stuff in general, please drop those in the chat. We will do our best to get to all of them. Uh, usually we do. Every once in a while we miss one, but... Um, we actually do have an audience question. You guys want to go ahead and get into that? Right yeah, we now? can we can get on that one and then tackle the West Virginia question if we need to. S sweet, let's do it. Uh, Kmart asks, has anyone ever thought about leaving casted prints in place with trail cams aimed at prints? Would think Sasquatch would be intrigued. What do you guys think about that? Um, there's only been a handful of decent trail cam pictures come out. I know Russ Jones. Uh, had one pop up shortly after filming was uh done hopefully if if there's another episode i'm not sure if he has another episode in store for this one yet or not but russ has a really interesting trail cam picture that came up however there's not been a direct on shot from a trail cam right that's been like really good when you see it you're like oh man that's that's the genuine article or so i'm not I'm not sure if there's something with the IR spectrum that they can see or if it's the sound of the camera coming on. Cause they do, you know, even as high tech and functioning as they are, they still have that, that worse sound when they first fire up. Mm -hmm. But, um, I have in the past, if you go back, it's uh, one of the first videos of investigations that we did. Um, and, the reason I started filming was because while I was casting, I had a uh, very guttural grunt that was made in my direction. So it, I think if it's in the area, then it's possible that it would be intrigued by it. But if not, you know, plaster is really inert. There's no, um, there's no kind of strong odors that are emitted from it. Um, and it doesn't, you know, even the material left back in the ground, it's, it's inert material. So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have anything I think that would be able to be traced. So I'm not sure if anything would really be intrigued by what this bright white mass on the ground is or not. Hmm. Hopefully that answers the question. I, I, I'm sure it would be worth a try. We've never done it, but that doesn't mean it's not worth giving it a go. Interesting question. Yeah. I hear a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of questions and, and conjecture about trail cams. And, and I'm always, I'm always curious as to why we don't do more of that, but that makes sense. You know, if they're not. Yeah. Those, we've got trail cams in operation and, and they're great for at least finding out the other fauna in the area. Like if you're collecting a ton of photos of deer and other wildlife, then you're in an area that's going to have plenty enough protein. Mm -hmm. If you're in a area where you're not getting those photos, then you're probably not in an area that is going to uh, generate the kind of, it, it might be a transit area, if that makes sense. It's not going to be somewhere that something's going to set up shop and stay for a while. Hmm. It'll be a place that something's just moving through. Interesting. Interesting. 
I, I do, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I have had other researchers tell me that um, <clears throat> one person in particular, they believe that Sasquatch actually avoid trail cams. Like they, they are able to identify them for one reason or another and they stay away from them. So yeah, we've heard yeah there's um, you, there was a, a researcher that uh, had recently passed away that his recommendation is if you were having issues with Bigfoot around your property and you wanted them to go away, put up trail cams, put up trail cams. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was something that Scott Carpenter was a, <laughs> that was one of his biggest things. If you've had mm -hmm. issues with Bigfoot around your house, put up a couple of trail cams up around your house and you won't have the issue anymore. That's weird. It's like those, those sonic emitters that are supposed to keep bugs away. I don't know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but anyway, going back to West Virginia, great question there, Kmart. Thank you so much. Um, what about this place, this area makes it such an ideal location for cryptid activity and maybe not just cryptid activity exclusively because there's so much weird stuff going on over there 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 is a ton of weird that's for sure um i personally think that it is because of the age of this mountain range um it's the oldest mountain range on the planet back when it was the same mountain range that exists in uh west africa and in ireland it's the same same mountain chain when Pangea was all together. And this range acts as a roadmap for high strangeness, in my opinion. And I think that was something that I even stated back in Dark Skies. Yeah, I believe you did touch that on Dark Sky. Yeah, um, so like for UFO activity, you've got a, a, a landline that's visible from space. Mm -hmm. You can see where this mountain range runs and you can follow it um through time yeah through time because it's it's existed since forever <laughs> um then uh as far as the bigfoot and other phenomena that goes on here you're dealing with an area that is extremely dense forest has tons of food tons of hiding places um and it's the third most forested state in the country Interesting. So you just have all of this space, you know, for things to be unobserved. You have all of this history kind of condensed to this one area. Yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, there are places out there. You could literally just walk into the woods and disappear. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I do remember thinking as we were driving through those hills, like this would be a terrible place to get a flat tire. What would you, what would yeah. you even do? <laughs> there are places where you're just done. I mean, literally I've seen it. It's, uh, it's crazy out there. Wow. Especially up in the Mon. Oh what? yeah, the Mon is thick. Yes, and it's old. The Mon, the Monongalia National Forest or Monongahela National Forest, depending on what part of the state you're from. Um, it's it's vast. It's it's about a quarter or, or more of our state. Oh wow, that much. It's yeah, it's huge. Wow. Does there does there seem to be a prevalence of? one phenomena versus the others or do you know maybe 75 percent of this 30 percent of that you know just just i wouldn't expect you to cite empirical data on that necessarily but you know does something seem to come up more often as you guys are researching this oh, stuff go ahead joe currently ufos are reported a lot but you've got to also look at the media 
you media has opened the door for UFO sightings to be more accepted and more common. And so the public is becoming more comfortable with coming out with their UFO sightings. So we, for the last, since 2017, we have essentially been the UFO reporting hub for West Virginia. It's been crazy. There's just been tons and tons of, of sightings and reports and, and, you know, and of the other, you know, high strangeness kind of things where these things yeah. uh, seem to be on the tail of each other. And that's a whole unique data set that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, but it is what it is. And, and that's not so much something that was even reported necessarily to begin with to us, mm -hmm. but it was something that we discovered Still. while we we're out in the field yeah. is that while we're looking for subject A, subject B will become active. Now, subject A can switch around. You know, if we're out doing, uh, th there was a night that we were out looking at the stars and, you know, we started hearing Bigfoot stuff. You know, we were looking for something else to happen and we started hearing uh, audio. We were auditory calls. Then more frequently, we're out looking for Bigfoot. And then we turn our thermal to the sky after we start hearing our uh, equipment starting to clip off. We'll turn our thermals to the sky and usually we will catch them. Really? That yeah, we've, we've got tons of that footage over on it's our not, YouTube uh... as well. And what's, what's funny is I know people, people say that all the time and they're like, oh yeah, sure they did. But the funny thing is we've had multiple witnesses to these things. Yeah. And, uh, I don't even know how to explain it myself. I've, I've tried, um, you know, I, I've seen things, but I'm not one of those people who readily believes that every light in the sky is a Zetarian mothership, but, um, <laughs> whatever that is, but, um, Commander Zorpa's Zorpa's is coming. someone knows what that is. I'm sure I, I don't, but, um, I will tell you this, that the data says there's something there. And no. we've, you know, I, I thought we were looking at, you know, easily, it's going to be easy to explain this stuff away. Nah, it's not. Because, you know, by, at this point, I don't know how many people have looked at this data. They've looked at these and, and they can guess, but no one knows what that is. We, we have no clue what it is because one explanation has not been found that simply does all of it, that covers it all. We can say, oh, it's flying, so it must be a drone. Okay, that's wonderful, but uh, if it is, it's not ours. And if that's the case, boy, we're in trouble. Yeah, that's still something to be concerned about, even yeah. if it is just a drone. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, yeah. we we can we can give room for skepticism. Of course we should, mm -hmm. but I, I think there's something to be said for if you guys are going out there and looking, you know, doing the research, how often do we go outside and just look at the sky, you know, in, in general, as a species? Yeah. Not very often, so... I don't know. Just to well, count it, and more so today than ever before, because once upon a time we watched the skies very closely. Mm. You know, we have all of these monolithic structures and megalithic structures that were built to observe the sky because they were watching for something else to happen. And now we live in a society where we have lights out on the streets everywhere mm. and it causes so much light pollution. There's not really a whole lot that we can observe any longer unless the power goes out or we go into a dark sky area which is mm -hmm. west virginia and west a virginia has a ton it. of dark sky area yeah a lot of it i do remember that we were there for two nights and i remember going out at night being like it is it is really dark here and that was in the city mm -hmm. that wasn't even out you know yeah. in the nowheres but oh, yeah. oh. you get out uh, you can see the milky way you can see it it's gorgeous at night in some of these areas like out at our farm 
Um, it's we you can see the Milky Way every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's, fantastic. It's literally otherworldly out there. So, you know, why West Virginia? I think that's probably one of the the good reasons as to why there's so many sightings and whatnot in West Virginia. We have lots of woods, and then if you have UFO activity, obviously you got to have a good clear sky for that. Mm-hmm. Dark skies, we've got that, and uh, you know, uh, equipment has definitely um, become a lot cheaper of late let's just say that and everyone has a good cell phone at this point almost uh, they rival professional cameras at this yeah. point you know someone's gonna catch something good eventually yeah well, fun behind the scenes fact stm has shot not very much but a little bit once in a while i think just on one movie actually shot some of the recreation footage on an iphone i believe mm-hmm. that was mock meta point pleasant so yeah like yeah. cameras are so advanced now we all have access to them and that was and how many years ago yeah that was six years ago i should know the date i don't know the date but yeah it wasn't even that long ago and yeah and there's so and much and more the advancement in phones now if you're using a samsung one of the new samsung phones holy crap the cameras on those things are unbelievable and the new iphone is absolutely nuts it's yeah it's incredible it's incredible i don't I don't like the idea of professional cameras being a thing of the past but goodness goodness yeah. uh we do have a couple more audience questions our friend michael tovar always good to see you michael appreciate you being here speaking of mothman are there still sightings in the west virginia or surrounding area i mostly hear about bigfoot or paranormal mostly in that area mm-hmm. they still show up i mean you'll, occasionally you'll still yeah occasionally it's not like it used to be obviously but they'll still show up you'll still get someone who's uh who sees some red eyes you know and automatically that's mothman whether yeah. they actually see you know wings or, or whatnot it's automatically mothman oh most definitely yeah yeah and we have a lot of owls we have a lot of owls a lot of owls so those have red eye shine and um but the things the the sightings like ron uh if you remember ron's sighting that was in uh the the second Mothman film, that one didn't have red eyes. No, that was no owl. And yeah, and it wasn't an owl. And if you go back to the original sightings, the red eye was reflection from the taillights. Mm-hmm. And there were some reports of seeing red eye shine and whatnot. Mm-hmm, but there were, you know, the the original report was off the taillights, mm-hmm. and the eye just reflected that light. Um, but you know the the large flying hominid that uh or humanoid whatever you want to call it that does come around time to time and um we've had those reports trickle in at least what three or four a year yeah every now and again we'll get one i mean it's it's not as common like i said it's like you know bigfoot like you you put on there or uh or some of the other paranormal activity we you know that's literally constant we're working on a case right now with, that involved a strange creature type sighting just yeah. a couple of weeks ago i mean these things happen but uh as far as something that we could call mothman yeah it's pretty rare in this area mm-hmm. interesting so I, th- I think there is a tendency when we hear about something with wings and of course the red eyes like you mentioned a moment ago automatically we kind of want to snap to that yeah. love it though I'm all, I'm all here for more Mothman. Uh, Mr. Dollar Store Gloves asks... I, I love that name, by the way. I saw that question pop up earlier, and I saw that name, and I was like, I don't know if I'm, like, feeling the ick over that name or if I'm really impressed. 
<laughs> I love it. I actually tell Mr. Dollar Store Gloves every time uh, I see him on one of these streams that I love a screen name, and that it's holds great. true. So, <laughs> uh, what are your favorite West Virginia sightings from all the ones you investigated? That's an easy one, Ron. Oh man, it, it's got to be Wineberry. Yep, it's got to be Wineberry, and and that that for us that even trumps the. Um, yeah, it does. The the, the follow up of the thermal. I mean, the thermal was amazing. We and you guys got to watch that in the last episode. Um, but the whole Wineberry, Wineberry is basically like our Skinwalker Ranch. It really is. Mm. There's tons of paranormal activity that takes place. It's so there. weird. It's, we're still trying to gather data on. There's been there's been orb sightings. There's been apparition type sightings. There, it's there's just it's incredible. I don't know. And what's we've up got there. what. Uh, the, oh, over a half dozen tracks out of that area yeah. at this point now. Yeah. And they, they match up like they're being made by the same creature. Whatever. It like is. Th there's two or three, maybe a third, but definitely two distinct creatures. So we've got, physical... that we've, we've captured tracks on yeah. multiple times. And Beth is another member of the collective mm -hmm. and she lives on the property. So we've got multiple data sources from there, physical data sources, as in yeah. physical casts, uh, you know, uh, possible um, areas where they've, they've walked through and whatnot uh, that she's found, as well as us being there and being able to pick up some very strange readings on our uh, on our equipment that should yeah. not be there. Uh, I believe we actually caught uh, one of the UAPs there uh, as well. We did. Didn't, didn't we? Yeah, I thought we did. We did. Yeah. Which validates no. another story from her from years before. And when you say tracks, you're talking like hominid sas sasquatch style yeah, sa tracks. sasquatch okay. tracks like what yeah, and these tracks have been uh viewed by jeff meldrum cliff barrickman tom shay uh basically everybody else out there but those those four names were the ones that we went to first when they were first brought in and you know they they seem to agree that this might be what we're looking for it just looked too good and wow. uh, we, we had to have a, a little bit of a more validation at that yeah. point Hmm. There's always that danger there, right? If a piece of evidence is too good, like and it really <laughs> right. did. Well, oh well, here in West Virginia, you don't have to worry about that. We like to just tear it apart because if you don't tear your own stuff apart first, it's going to get torn apart. Mm -hmm. So the more that we can go into it and just rip it apart ourselves and say, "Well, if this, then that," uh, that's one less thing that the skeptic's going to have to worry about. You yeah. know, because we'll have the answers for you. <laughs> I mean, well yeah. the. The thermal footage, for example, we set on for almost two months before we released it to the public. No, we released that thermal footage. Yeah, but that was in a private. Right. But, that was set to private. Yeah. We we weren't sending that out publicly. Yeah. It was it was almost uh, it was almost Christmas time before we actually released yeah. the actual the, uh, the full public yeah. put together piece. Yeah, that's right. Um, we were we had a private video where people could go view it, uh, like to review it. Um, and that was people who work for FLIR, people who work for ATN, um, which are manufacturing companies, the thermal equipment, as well as people who worked in aerospace and people who are Bigfoot investigators who are well known. And then all of our friends. Of course. We feel good about it just because, you know, we were when it happened, it happened. There was there were veteran researchers there. Yeah. And uh, everyone said, you know, you got something, you got something, you got something. So we felt really good about it at that point. But um, 
man, I don't know. That was a one in a lifetime kind of thing. I'll be honest with you. And this is the thermal footage that we yeah, see the yes. in the episode, just to be clear. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, when we're talking about the footage or the footage or any kind of evidence being like too good to be true, um, none of the tracks that we have are like like the the in the mud, nice, clean, pretty things like the some of the casts back hanging up behind me from Grays Harbor or uh, some of the ones, some of the more famous ones from out west. These are hard to read casts. They're they're casts that you have to know what you're looking at to know what they are. Um, some of them are partially clear and partially not, but those are the kind of ones that we go after. Uh, and we kind of like those better ourselves because those, you have to know what you're looking at. We can validate some of those with other people, but they are not pristine. Nobody's gone out and tried to do a stomper technique and trick anybody. And not very many people know where the Wineberry area is oh, anyway. Very few. Yeah. We've kept so that, that under wraps. I was going to say, so that's a contributing factor here because we're talking about this now. It's going to start piquing people's interest. But it oh, is they there. can't get out there anyway. It's private property, and it's okay. you. You got to drive about five miles off the main road to get there. Okay. Um, and then it's uh, it butts up to uh, over a thousand acres of wilderness area on the backside of it, and the acreage that they have is uh, like. I think around a hundred acres, hundred twenty acres. I don't want to be getting caught by, by, by Beth. Okay. No, no, Beth is an ex-marine, and you don't want to get caught by an ex-marine no. out on private property. That's a no, not in West no, Virginia anyway either, because you I won't come out of Wanberry. No, you don't want to. <laughs> y'all, that. y'all have heard the song Copperhead Road. Well, <laughs> I'm not saying, the, but maybe we don't, we don't want any more ghosts out there. Right, right. No, <laughs> do that. No, we don't want that. But it kind of it kind of does make it an ideal environment for this kind of a study because you have a controlled yeah. area, and when you can rule out the presence of people coming and going, yeah. doing things, you know, yep. you can rule a lot of things out that you can't necessarily do in a more urban environment. So that's exciting, very exciting. And again, this is ongoing; like this isn't just oh, like yeah. a one-off that you guys encountered. It's been yeah, no, we've we've been out there several times. Uh, Beth is out there all the time recording data and sending it back. We've sent her tools to use. Yeah. Um, she's doing a great job out there. And then when we go out there, we we make a day of it and we collect as much data as possible. Go back and review it. Wow. Yeah, we've we've because it's about a three hour drive for us. We've got tons of data from that place at this point, and uh, I don't even know how to compile it all. I'll be honest with you. Wow. I'm waiting for that book. I want to read it. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, well, speaking of Sasquatch and Prince, we have a question from Susan George. I believe she's talking about Sasquatch uh, when she asks, what do you think the range of them are territories? I, I believe we're referring to Sasquatch territory. Well, any kind of positive, like, firm statement on that from anyone would be very assumptive um but based off of our studies and what we've gathered from our sites and and we're very selective with the sites that we've chosen because it goes back to the whole master naturalist thing and when you go into an area i want to see certain things on the ground in the forest that mean this could be a place something could set up shop now if you find one of those zones if it's remote enough and it doesn't have enough human pressure, 
I don't see a reason like Wanberry for this thing to leave because minimal human pressure, um, plenty of food, areas of shelter, natural shelter, not stick structures or anything like that, like real hard shelter. Um, and again, water, clean, clean, clean water, multiple springs coming up. You want to find more than one spring in an area. But if you've got that, I mean, I don't see a reason for something to be traveling more than, you know, maybe five square miles, if that. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's a lot of space. You know, we think mm -hmm. five square miles, well, that's nothing. But that's that's further than we can see just looking straight in one direction. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, unless you're up on a ridge line. Great question. I see this question or questions like it pretty frequently asking about ranges and territories. And I think it's, I think it's a fascinating one. So thank you, Susan. Really appreciate it. Got that. a Mitch Hedberg fan out there. Brandon H says Bigfoot is blurry. That's the problem. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of so my we, favorite sketches by Mitch Hedberg. Oh yeah. I love that one. Sorry. It took me a sec to catch up, but yes, no, you're good. <laughs> he also says we have a large out of focus monster roaming in the countryside. And that is extra scary to me. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. Just Absolutely. a big blur moving across open space. No, thank you on that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rodney, Rodney Heckman has a uh, not a question but a comment that i think is great and i wanted to make sure we throw it up here um, he says it's interesting how many people that actually spend time outdoors have some unexplainable things that they remember happening on occasion i talk about my experiences with some given the right situation i think that's a great point um mm -hmm. when we you know kind of to what we were talking about earlier with you guys being out there and making these observations well we hear so, this all the time rodney um you're not alone and, now uh, this is this is the best one, Ron. And I, I want you to pick up the second half of this one. It was from OBC, oh, and I'm going to start this story off, and then I want you to come back and finish it because you're going. It's one of your favorites. We had a guy come up to our table at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. This has been about it was uh, I think 2018, and he came up and he said. I've, I've spent all this time out in the woods. I've never seen anything weird. Now there were a bunch of Bigfoot people around there. It's OBC. You have a, all these Bigfoot guys standing around there. Everybody's at the table waiting to see what our response is going to be. <laughs> and he says all these things like, I've never seen anything weird. I've never had anything like that happen. I'm, I'm, you know, I've been out in the outdoors since I was growing up little and going hunting, and went out with my pea, pea shooter and all that stuff, you know, and then he disappears and the crowd's gone. And about, I don't know, 45 minutes pass and somebody goes in. It's like uh, probably Cliff Berrickman because it was one of the bigger speakers. And so the crowd just dissolves and evaporates into nothingness because everybody's in there listening to Cliff. And then this guy comes walking back up. Lo and behold, it's the guy that said, I ain't never seen nothing weird. And Ron, how'd but the rest there was of that this go? one time? But there was this one time. Yep. And it happens over <laughs> and over again. It literally, and what's really great about it this time though, is uh, we're those people now. We're those guys. Yeah. It's okay. We, we kind of drew the line in the sand, I guess, in that way. It was like, look, everything's going on the table. And people started recognizing us for that. And this past year was a good indication of that. But we did get that exact same thing happen again with another one. And uh, the story I mean, he was guarded. He was yeah. terrified to, to speak what he, he had seen. He didn't want to be made fun of. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to make fun of you. I can tell you stuff that you're just, you would laugh out. I mean, if you, th 
and uh, he starts talking. I'm like, yeah, that sounds, ex I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it multiple times at this point. So we have multiple data sets that validate these people are experiencing some strange things out there. Now, is it because they're out in the woods, you know, looking for something else? Or is something else out there, you know, trying to observe whatever they're observing? I don't know. All I know is that there is definitely data that points to something there. A lot of people have seen it, and they are terrified to talk about it because they think that they're going to be either made fun of, drummed out of a club. I don't know. It, I don't really care about clubs. This is, to me, uh, a quest for, for data. That's literally all it is. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that in the past and, you know, for example, people who have come forward about UFO sightings who have had their careers destroyed or, you know, seen problems with their families as a result. So I think we can understand that reticence, but it's encouraging to see people like you doing what you're doing and giving folks a platform. So great comment from Rodney. Wanted to make sure we responded to that. Uh, Mogollon Monster says, what's up, everyone? Technically a question. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> How's it going, Mogollon Monster? <laughs> Thanks for being here. And here's a great comment from December December GEM. Um, it's been said that Sasquatch would require 10,000 to 15,000 calories a day to survive. I would think that they would deplete their food source easily without migration. Hmm. It, it's possible uh, that you could do that in, in an environment with enough wildlife. And have not necessarily a migration because migration is a tricky word, right? Um, the nomads, the nomadic tribes weren't migratory. They were nomadic. They went from area to area until their herds had depleted the fields. And then they shepherded their flock off into another greener pasture, so to speak. And it's very possible that that is how these creatures are doing things. They'll go, they'll set up shop. They'll get to the point where they'll deplete out a uh, food source or nutrition, like the, the caloric intake responsibilities that they would have to have to uh, maintain. Um, but, you know, at the same time, this is a, a, we don't know how much their caloric intake is. We don't know how much they weigh. Um, there's a lot of assumption in that 10 to 15,000 calories a day. You know, we have uh, creatures like the mountain gorillas who are quite large creatures and they don't require that kind of caloric intake a day. And they're mm -hmm. eating mostly vegetation. You're not adding in meat and fatty animals to that because raw fat has a ton of calories. You can, if you take a single animal in the fall, after it's been fatted up all summer off the berries and off the grass and, and all the fauna, you're going to have a deer that is going to have a decent amount of fat on it. And they can, they'll eat all of that. And that's a ton of calories. So maybe like it's a hard, maybe <laughs> we just don't yeah. know enough. And, um, and anybody who, again, back to the earlier, anybody who, puts down very hard this that kind of um affirmative statements like how did they know yeah. because i want to know yeah <laughs> it's one of those things that we're, we're we don't have enough data points to yeah. really nail it down we don't have that yeah. frame of reference to say okay well, we know it, it does this we know it does that a lot of a lot of the creatures that i personally witnessed 
and then the creature that we captured in the thermal were not a whole lot bigger than me. Now, a human requires around 1500 calories a day to it's my size, six foot three, you know, 250 pounds, little plus that, whatever. You're looking at 1500 calories a day just to maintain where you're at. That is way below 10,000 calories. We also have to figure out there's a lot of speculation involved in. Yeah. It, it involves, you know, does the creature need to move from point A to point B? And is the point B, you know, 50 miles away? Is it 25 right. miles away? Is it 10 miles away? Is there, do they have to Or is it just a couple hundred yards over here? Right, exactly. Do I really have to do all that work if there's this abundance of food around me? Oh, I'm just going to lay around, you know, veg out. And if someone shows up, I'll go hide. It doesn't require yeah. a lot of energy to do that if it knows mm -hmm. exactly where to go hide, right? So yeah, when you when you start weighing out the caloric intake, you have to first know caloric expenditure. Yeah. Hmm. Which that's is an excellent here. point. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, Mark like, Childers. I love you, Mark Childers. <laughs> and he's a member. Yay, Mark Childers, for asking yeah. a really good question. Here's a great question. We've got a uh, thank you for that, by the way, December. That was a great yes, point. December. Very good awesome. question. That's a very good question. Love it. And Love it. she does follow up to there. Um, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming she exactly not enough data. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Love. I, I say this every week, but I love these audience questions, man. They always, they always bring the the good ones. Um, I've got a couple other start, but I do want to get to uh, what Mark Childers is asking here. I love this. Any idea if orbs seen occasionally during a Bigfoot sighting have any correlation with each other? Well, subject you want to fill that one? Subject A and subject B. Uh, you know, yeah, we're we doing the Brady Bunch thing here. Da, 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 da. We don't know <laughs> what, you know, what's going on. Again, they have been sighted in the same areas for unknown yeah. reasons. We have uh, data points on this. We've seen them. Yeah, uh, we've recorded EM uh, radiation and, I might add, ionizing radiation, which should not be present during these times. And of ionizing events. radiation is detected on Geiger counters or dosimeters. Dosimeters, Geiger counters, yeah. So, you know, one hurts you, one doesn't, so to speak. But um, these things have been spotted in these areas. The big question for me is why are these things being yeah. spotted in the same areas? I don't know why they've been spotted. Some people say, oh, well, you know, Bigfoot's carrying around orbs. I don't know that. I couldn't say that. Bigfoot is, you know, an orb or an alien. I don't know. I can't say that. Could be. Might not be. Probably isn't. But we don't know what it is. We only know that something out there does seem to have some sort of correlation or relation uh, with this high strangeness factor, as, uh, as we like to call it. It's a... We cover this a lot in our presentations, and we've talked about it a lot in the past because it's it's a phenomenon that we started to observe while we were conducting research. Um, we just happened to have the equipment on and caught it. Yeah. You know, it was it wasn't like we were trying to target that phenomena. It just we were lucky enough to capture it, and then now every time we go out, we've got it all. Yeah. Um, and captured well, it once by accident, twice. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's interesting. Third time, it's like, okay. And now it's, you know, half a dozen times at this point that these things have happened. Yep. I mean, and, I know you know, we, we can't say whether one is observing the other or right. if they're related. 
Um, we just know that these things are happening in the same place. Yeah, there's an X Mm. factor, and we don't know what that X factor is. It's another one of those things that requires more data. Like, what is what is the nature of these orbs? What is the what are they drawn to? Ah, and that's why we do this stuff because of these rabbit holes of speculation. But great question, Mark. Love that. Uh, Kind of along that same line, uh, Kmart has another one for us. Do you think, uh, not Kmart, the company, Kmart, our friend on YouTube, uh, do you think cryptid UFOs (laughs) or any paranormal activity could be transdimensional? Of course, it could be. Yeah, we don't know. But it could be. We don't know. The one thing that we can state positively is that, well, two things. We don't know. That's the first one. The second one is while we have been recording these UAPs using thermal technology, we have seen multiple others just blip into the frame. They weren't there previously, and then they're instantly there. And then they're off doing these absolutely absurd aerial maneuvers at speeds of mock Jesus, where anything that's inside (laughs) of that I mean, I'll give you this, Kmart. It's even more weird because we've been in situations where this, if you you ever listen to any of our our podcast, any of us talking about these things, synchronicity seemed to be a huge thing with this. We have literally been in a situation where we're we're talking about this and something happens, literally, that should not happen. And I I mean, like something like, you know, a radiation spike goes off or or maybe a... uh, you know, um, what was it? Uh, one of the transmitters went off, right? Um, like just things that you just don't quite, I don't know. It makes you wonder. It's like, what, why, why does that happen? It's almost like it's trying to get your attention. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's trying to get your attention or as we used to say, you know, we go out there looking for subject A and we, we would get distracted by subject B. It's almost like something's trying to distract you while you're out there at times as well. So. I don't know, guys, but uh, yeah, totally could be um, extra dimensional, transdimensional, whatever you label you want to throw at this thing. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's something that you hear coming up more and more. I think in the paranormal world, and I'm I'm saying that anecdotally. I can't point to numbers, yes. but the yes. speculation of maybe it's tr- you know interdimensional or transdimensional. I don't know if there's a difference between those terms or if you can swap them out. But you know. In some ways, and I include myself in this, in some ways, I think it's starting to become a catch-all for things that we can't, well, it doesn't seem to be an alien, doesn't seem to be, you know, a cryptid, so it's transdimensional. And I, I, again, I do that too. I do that in my own research, and I've I've followed that line of speculation in my books very, very, very far. But it's, again, we we go back to this so much, but we're just missing that data. Like, we don't have the little... uh, And that's, that's where our drive comes in. Our drive is solely to collect data, not to to convince anyone of one thing or the other, but we want to collect data to validate not only our own personal experiences, but the experiences that other people have had. It's contagious. Once you, you know, you're in a situation where you're talking to these people and, you know, someone tells their experience and then someone's like, wait, that happened to me too. You know, it's contagious. These are validation events, yeah. and that's that's why we, you know, we we're out there doing what we do. It's just uh, it's just that simple, really. But uh, yeah, there's so much to this. I mean, as far as it goes with the 
you know, dimensional things. And we don't even know what any of this stuff is, guys. That's why the government likes to call it non-human intelligences, because it kind of covers a broad area. You know, mm -hmm. we're not talking about human intelligence. It's non-human. Doesn't matter where it came from, right? I mean, it's just non-human as far as we know. Yeah, yeah. Could be a lump of goo that someone found at the bottom of the ocean. They're being very. Yeah. I noticed during the hearing they were very careful with that terminology. I was like, yeah. eh, I see what you did there. Yeah, non-human <laughs> intelligence. Between the lines. Yes, yes. Yeah, love it. I mean, maybe they do come from the ocean. I don't know. Uh, our friend Tate Hieronymus, always good to see you, Tate. Uh, question: Favorite brew while in the field? Mine is coffee. I don't know about you guys. It, coffee or water? Um, now out of the field it's a different story but when we're in the field you know being prior military situational awareness that is paramount for safety for data collection all that kind of stuff so there's uh there's no bruise going into the field with us but when we get home and we start reviewing data that's a totally different animal <laughs> <laughs> We're, I know Ron, Ron's a fan of always coming up with new margarita concoctions oh, yeah. and, and tequila. And that's, that's uh, after we're, you know, off duty, but, uh, yeah. but in the field, no, um, I barely remember to bring water. I get yelled at for that. So yeah, I'm, it, luckily I've always got a case of water so in the back of the truck. So <laughs> I lost my ability to consume alcohol when my uh, son was born. Now I just fall asleep. So yeah, great, yeah. great question. A, uh, a huge <laughs> fan of liquid IVs. If any of you guys, uh, mm. you know, uh, like that, it, it, they're amazing. You just pour it into your 16 ounce of water, shake it up and uh, great electrolytes while you're out there. And then, you know, when you're really out there roughing it, your own urine. That's, oh, the best. Filter it through a dirty sock. <laughs> yes. STM live, folks. Air grills in it live, baby. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, let's, I mean, you know, it works. It's been proven. Um, we're coming up on the hour. We do have two more questions I want to get to, and then I want to make sure we know where people can find and follow sure. you guys. Uh, CJ Balker, and we talked about this a little bit, but asks, do you think Bigfoot is a hybrid of an alien? Well, Ron? ask the magic word, think. And uh, instead of, uh, you know, do you know? We don't know. I uh, would never suggest, uh, you know, 100% one way or the other. Um, could it be a hybrid of an alien? Could it be a, sort of a uh, experiment by some form of extra-dimensional extraterrestrial intelligence? Absolutely could be. Does it mean that it is? No. But if we look at some of the ancient legends, and I mean ancient legends from the First Nations could it people, be? they say that, you know, uh, that is a, you know, that's a thing that, that the sky beings did bring down uh, some of these creatures and drop them off. So I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, this is thousand years old stories. So, you know, we have to take that into consideration, throw it on the table with the rest of the data. Sure. Mm -hmm. Could be. Great question. And I love that one. Until, until we've got one on a slab somewhere, we're not going to know. It's going to be hard to, to say what it is. I mean, are we some kind of a weird hybrid ourselves? What, you know, you start getting into some of the ancient astronaut stuff and it's like, we're not even supposed to be here. Uh, Homo sapiens sapien just kind of like doesn't fit the mold. And here all of a sudden we are dominating the planet. 
I mean, we're like the only species on the planet that if you send us out in the wild, we just die. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Speak for yourself. The wild. Well, personally. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but awesome no, CJ, that's CJ. a great question. I love that question. Yeah. That's one of my favorite lines of speculation. I love it. And last but not least, Julie Bug. Julie, always great to see you. Uh, hey, Julie long... Bug. Julie is a, a regular. Uh, Julie asks, how often in sightings reported have there been white slash gray or very light colored Bigfoot? Well, coincidentally, you're going to hear us talk about my sighting that I had tomorrow over on the live. Um, Cause this is a fresh sighting. So it only happened about four weeks ago. And the reason we haven't brought it out or broadcast it is because we were trying to get permission to get onto the land. Um, but it's hunting season and the property line is real jagged and squirrely over there. And the adjacent property owners didn't want us out there because they apparently lease out their property to go hunt. And so after hunting season, we're able to go out there, but that really doesn't do us any good on following up on a sighting. Um, but we have, uh, like if we were to put it at a percentage, it's probably like 5%. of our reports that get sent in are of a lighter collared or gray or even white creature. Most are dark. Yep. Most are dark brown, black kind of deal. Yeah. Interesting. Same seems to be true of dogman encounters also, at least in Texas. Little, little anecdote there for you. Well, guys, we are, we are at the hour. It has been an honor and privilege to speak with you. Um, let the people know where they can find you, what you got going on, uh, what, what should we keep an eye out for? Joe, do the spiel. Well, guys, we are Wild and Weird West Virginia. You can find us basically anywhere. If you go type in a search bar, Wild and Weird WV, that works for YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, wildandweirdwv.com. If you want to make it simple for yourself, just wildandweirdwv.com, and you can click a a link there that will take you everywhere. Um, Then you can uh, find us out on the road. We are going to be at Monster Fest 2. So if you want to come hang out with us, we're going to be there June 29th. Um, We're always out at some of the the larger events um, doing either presentations or just, you know, funding the research by selling our wares. Um, The best place to find us, though, is uh, basically every Thursday. Like If you want to talk to us the way that we're talking to you guys right now, every Thursday, 8 p.m., Eastern, we go live over on YouTube and you can hang out with us there. Ask your questions, reach out, throw a shoe at us, whatever you want to do. Shoes are acceptable. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that on that show. Yeah. You know, we're working on creating like a, you know, beyond VR experience where that way people can throw stuff and we'll fill it. Like we will be wearing a haptic vest. It's a haptic vest. And, and people can, you know, throw things at us and we'll know. You get like one of those one of those super chats and like a, a catapult launches a shoe at you. From the exactly. See, yeah. Exactly. That's how we like do, do. it. <laughs> well, Joe, Ron, thank you so much, guys. I've really been looking forward to this. Uh, we will talk to you. Hopefully we will talk to you tomorrow on Thursday when everyone checks out your live stream. And I'm sure we'll see you in another another production from STM before too, too long. I'm just oh, guessing, I'm sure. But yeah. <laughs> 
All right, gentlemen, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for being here. We will see you next week for another show with another guest. And I'm not going to tell you who it is. You're going to have to tune in to find out. Have a great evening. Thanks so much. And remember, stay wild and weird, everybody. You've been listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. If you enjoyed this show, consider giving it a like, review, rating, or sharing it with a friend. And be sure to visit smalltownmonsters.com for more info about this and other STM projects.